Chapter 22 A whip in the darkness. I never saw it coming. It slapped against me, gripping, hugging, holding. Another! The two almost thirty-foot-long tentacles, iron-strong arms, tightened around my head. The squid used the tentacles to yank the rest of its body toward me. I felt the tug. I felt the water moving. I could picture the photograph I'd seen of a squid mouth, a bizarre hawk's beak. Then, an arm, thicker, stronger than the tentacle, and another. I thrashed wildly, tearing free one of the arms. The suckers ripped away chunks of my skin. I smelled my own blood in the water. My tail! I couldn't move it, and the squid was on me. On me! Too close for echolocation to see anything. I was wrestling blind, and unlike the squid, I had no arms. The squid was smaller, much lighter, basically weaker, but it had agility, and it had arms. I had a mouth. Imagine a fight between a gymnast, small but with full use of arms and legs, and a 300-pound linebacker who can only use his mouth. The squid was locking me up, and now I was sinking, down to where the atmospheric pressure would crush even me, down to where my burning lungs would force me to exhale, down to black death. No! I lunged and rolled. The squid hung on. I hammered it with pulsed clicks, again and again, but my own body mass was helping to shield it. I echolocated again and again, but it was on me. Then, one burst of clicks caught a wall of denser water and bounced back. It drew me a fragmented, eerie picture. The squid was huge. Its arrow-shaped head, long as a small school bus, was pressed close to my head. Its sharp, snapping beak was only inches from my left eye. Eight twenty-foot arms and two longer tentacles clutched and tore at me. Sharp-edged suckers the size of saucers superglued the creature to me. I was weakening. It couldn't be. No, I begged. No, it couldn't happen. But the squid's grip tightened. Tightened, relentless, like a python, imprisoning my tail, paralyzing me. Whale clicks. But not from me. Tobias! Hang on, Rachel! I'm here! Tobias cried and fired again. The squid convulsed. I felt its spasm of pain. Its arms fell away from me. Tobias! The fight! Use too much air! I have to go back to the surface! Go! He said tersely. I'll meet you there! I wanted to stay. I should have stayed. If the squid killed Tobias? No choice. Go! Tobias yelled. He blasted the squid with another round of clicks, up close and personal. I went. I had no choice. The whale's brain was screaming. I rose fast, but still, it was forever and forever. The whale was weakening. Faltering. Its senses were cloudy. 
unsure, confused. Rachel? Tobias? Is that one of you coming up? We've been searching. Cassie's voice. Close. So close. Me, I said dully. Wells had it. Too tired. No! Make it swim! You're only a few yards from the surface! Do it! Cassie yelled. Swim, I told myself, forcing my aching body to move. Swim! This time, I didn't explode into the air. I rose, half unconscious, too exhausted even to appreciate the air that was filling my lungs. Where's Tobias? Cassie asked, bobbing up beside me. The squid. Down fighting the squid, I said exhaustedly. I have to go back. Have to help him. No, Cassie said. No! Another dolphin shot up alongside me. Rachel? Jake said. I have to help Tobias. Thanks, but no help necessary, Tobias said. Tobias! Of course, just me and my squid. Ha! Hawk or whale, there is no prey I can't take down. Coming up, look out above. Everyone, careful! I yelled as the others arrived on the scene. Don't let it grab you! Wow! Marco said as the squid's scarlet mantle came into view. Talk about a face only a mother could love! It probably ate its mother, I said grimly, moving in for the kill. And now I'm gonna eat it! Uh, I don't think so, Rachel, Tobias said. I didn't go to all this trouble just for you to kill it. Just cripple it. I've got it, I said, lunging. Now, by the light of the stars and moon, I could see the squid's huge black eyes, the size of hubcaps, the largest eyes on earth, looking straight into mine. It slapped me with a grasping whip tentacle. I bit it off. Thick green blood gushed from the stump. I clamped my powerful mouth down on several squid arms and held on. Tobias did the same. Two against one, we had the squid outnumbered. Chapter 23 I kept the now helpless squid on the surface as Jake, Cassie, Marco, Axe, and finally Tobias acquired it. It wasn't easy. It wasn't exactly a party, as human and endolite and hawk wallowed in the waves, pressing hands and talons against the rubbery creature. Fortunately, the squid responded normally to being acquired. It grew calm and peaceful. Your turn, Rachel, Jake said. I demorphed, shrinking from building size to human size. The demorph was a bit more normal than the morph. I shrink in proportion for most of it. Then, at last, I was just a very out-of-place girl, up to my neck in cold salt water stained with squid ink and blood. I treaded water to stay near the cephalopod's big arrow head. I needed to touch the creature. I ended up swallowing about a gallon of inky salt water. I had to extend the acquiring phase to hold the squid still for Tobias. Like I said, 
Not exactly a party. When we were done, I morphed back to whale to haul the squid away to a safe distance. Once released, the poor squid took off, jetting down into the relative safety of the water beneath us. Well, this should be... Marco spit salt water out of his mouth. Should be interesting. I think this will be an interesting morph, Axe said. So many arms. Let's just get this over with, I said, having resumed my human form. It's a long, long way down, and we don't have a lot of time. Two hours and seven of your minutes, Axe said. Axe, they are everyone's hours and everyone's minutes, Marco said. My hours are your hours. This is Earth. A minute is a minute. Now we have two hours and six of your minutes, Axe said dryly. Tobias, can you get us back to where you found the ship? Jake asked. Tobias was being held, more or less up out of the water, by Jake and Cassie. He was not a happy bird. I can try, he said. Okay, everyone morph. Let's get this done. I have experienced many unusual morphs. I have been more different animals than most people ever see. I thought I was ready for anything. But this was weird. I focused my mind and felt the changes begin. You don't actually feel the things that happen during a morph. You sort of feel them from a distance. The way you might feel the densest drill, even through the Novocaine. It's not... Exactly, pain, but not exactly normal, either. I could hear a squishing sound coming from inside me, from my guts, and then I reached down and felt my stomach sinking inward. My internal organs were slithering away to hang in zero space until I returned to claim them. I was being scooped out. My arms and legs began to stretch, out and out, further and further, absurdly, idiotically far. My arms formed the clubbed ends that marked them as tentacles. My legs were two of the eight normal arms. Normal. Right. Sploot, sploot. More arms were poking out of me, writhing out of my chest and back and sides. Six new arms, like snakes crawling out through my flesh and growing as they emerged. I had the horrific image of being an egg, hatching snakes. I was all writhing arms. Well, there's a whole new nightmare, I muttered. And now, all down the bizarrely extended arms, hundreds of saucer-sized, needle-tooth bumps popped up like sores. Flump! My head imploded, just suddenly sagged as my skull melted away. My eyes spread wide, and the top of my head started growing out and out, like some cartoon of an out-of-control zit and my inside seemed to percolate up into that head area. My skin turned brown. It hung for me like a sweatshirt ten sizes too big. It was like wearing a cape. A cape of powerful muscle. My eyes became huge, circular pools of darkness. I had sunk down into the water, maybe fifty, eighty feet, not counting my arms, which extended further still. But I could still see... The squid's eyes were as good as an owl's at seeing in low light. Maybe better. Then, as I slowly tested my arms, as the hundreds of suction cups tensed and released, 
I felt the squid mind rise up beneath my own. Other squid! All around me! And I was hungry. So hungry. Chapter 24 Someone was turned away from me. Another giant squid, floating, arms extended like some vile flower. I saw the mantle. My meat. I drew in water and expelled it like a jet blowing exhaust. I jetted forward. I drew my long arms up from the depths, coiling them and extending them toward my prey, moving them in what felt to the human part of me like slow motion. The other squid was unaware. Cassie? Was it Cassie? Who cared? Cassie would feed my hunger just as well as... She jerked at my touch. Her own arms whipped back toward me. Hey! She protested. Oh, oh sorry, I said. The human me had regained the upper hand. I was just... I know what you were just, Cassie sniffed. I had the same problem, but I didn't start to eat you. I said I'm sorry. All right, Jake said. Tobias, lead the way. Easy to say, almost impossible to do. People think diving is like taking an elevator down. But we were talking about three miles of water. Three miles of currents and cross-currents, in darkness so total that after the first mile or so, even the squid's specially adapted eye could see nothing, not to mention the fact that there was nothing to see. There were two clocks ticking in our heads. A little over two hours till the nuclear vault opened and a paralyzed chi was discovered, and just two hours till we were trapped in morph. And one major complication. If we demorphed, We'd be crushed, our own bodies squeezed flat, till the bones would stick out of us like pins in a pincushion, our heads popped like overripe cantaloupes. Which meant there was a third clock, the point of no return, the point beyond which we'd no longer have time to get back to the surface. Beyond that point, we either found the Pemelite ship, or... But Tobias was not finding the ship. The ship was huge, maybe 300 feet long, according to the chi. But imagine that you know where a 300-foot-long building is. Then imagine you leave the building and walk three miles through darkness. Now imagine finding your way back, blindfolded. We reached the ocean floor, and Tobias led us this way and that, back and forth, skimming like mushy torpedoes across dead desert wastes, our jets kicking up clouds of sand and tiny rocks and the decayed remains of everything that had ever died in the three miles of water above us. Now and then, a flash of phosphorescence. And then, darkness again. I screwed up, Tobias said. I should have stayed in Whalemorph. I can't echolocate. I'm going on instinct here. This is insane. We are now at the point of no return, Axe reported. We turn back, or hope to find the Pemelite ship. We have to fail, Jake, Tobias said, sounding defeated. This isn't working. This mission has bombed from the start, Marco said, exploding in the same frustration we all felt. Getting jerked around by someone, we don't even know who or what, 
It's all a setup, and I'm... Wait! Cassie said. I see lights! Just those glowing fish, I said. No! No, look! It was impossible to tell distance in the black, black sea. But, yes, there were lights. A string of them, descending in a downhill line. Seven, eight, I count eight, Jake said. What are they? I wondered. Marco made a snorting noise in our heads. Can't you guess? Yerks. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And man, it's been a little bit, hasn't it? Uh, thank you everyone for being patient with me as I took an extra week to get my stuff sorted. Um, if you aren't following the Twitter, which is at Audiomorphs, um, I did have to take an additional week off because uh, I tried to I tried to rush this recording so that I could have it ready for uh, everyone. You know, last week, and uh, the way I do it is I record all my uh, all three chapters I I put in an episode um, in one day just so that like at least between these three chapter chunks my voice can stay like as consistent uh, as possible because I know especially with you know like Rachel sometimes I end up a little higher a little lower. Um, some of the other ones, you know, there's a little bit of vary, but you don't really notice it, uh, you know, unless it's like directly back to back. So I try to keep all the recording in one day. Um, so I recorded it all and then listening back during the edit realized that it is just an atrocious echo because it was like a, a completely bare room, nothing on the walls and just a uh, hardwood floor. Um, my voice was bouncing everywhere. It just did not work. So took a bit more time, hung up a tapestry to help deaden the noise and, um, much more happy with the quality. And so that's what you're getting this week, a re-record. So thank you, everyone, for hanging in there. Um, and we got so many messages because I've taken two weeks off. So let's get into it. Uh, the first message I want to read is from uh, the contact form on my website. That's theapocalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like Apocalypse, with a D in the middle. Um, and this is sent in by Blue Newton, who writes, Holy cow, Audiomorphs could qualify for a time machine because it brought me back to a time when I was a kid. I used to love these books growing up, but listening to them as an adult makes the things the gang goes through so much better. I am a biologist myself, and I absolutely love hearing about the adventures the Animorphs go on. It is so well done. Thank you. Bring on the animals. Thank you so much for writing in, Blue. Um, yeah, the series hits different as an adult, huh? There's a lot of things that, as a kid, I, I didn't, I just sort of glossed over, and going back, I'm like, oh, that one's PTSD. That one's a horrific injury, you know? It's, uh, yeah, pretty nutty. Uh, thank you for writing in. Thank you for enjoying it. Um, next I have... Hang on. Sorry, I got so many things. I'm juggling tabs. Uh, okay, sorry. I got it. Had a second uh, contact form. I thought I was missing something. Um, that's why I was sort of uh, out of it there for a sec. Sorry, we're back. We're back. This one was written by uh, Sebastian, who writes in to say, Hello. I just want to thank you so much. I'm Sebastian from Germany, and I love to listen to the stories of the five kids and the aliens. I discovered the Audiomorphs podcast some months ago, and I'm addicted. Here in Germany, the series wasn't that successful. When I was a child in the 90s, a publisher released uh, the first ten adventures on MC. I'm not sure what MC is, but uh, without any reason, they stopped after that. Because I am blind, I couldn't read normal books myself and a friend had to read the 11th book to me some years ago. But it wasn't the same. 
and it is also a matter of time. I also couldn't find audiobooks in any library. Maybe you can imagine how excited I was when I heard your first episode. Now I'm on book 14. I enjoy your reading. You managed to give each character its own voice and personality. This is great. I also told my friends about your podcast. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate your awesome work. I'm really looking forward to listening to the next books. Best regards, Sebastian. Thank you so much for writing in, Sebastian. Um, very happy to help you enjoy these books uh, further than you got to uh, in your childhood. Uh, which also, I didn't think about this, but like, I don't know where Scholastic has uh, published the rights to uh, the audiobooks they've produced. Maybe there are untapped markets in the world where um, you can listen to me and not them. I don't know. I'm just trying to grasp onto like anything I have over Scholastic at this point because I did learn they're doing the uh, the Chronicles and the Megamorph soon, and then um, I'll still finish this project. But you know, the the professional books are right there. <laughs> um, but as always, this is so much more of a project for myself than for any of you guys. So I'll of course I'll finish it even if there's a uh, probably better product out there. I don't know. I haven't listened to them because they're still quite expensive. Um, but. <laughs> Enough of that. Thank you so much for writing it, Sebastian. Um, that's really awesome. And uh, I was going to say hello, uh, Germany and like German, but I've just blanked on it. Uh, guten Tag. I know it's good morning. That's all I got. Guten Tag, uh, Deutschland. <laughs> all right. Um, we also have an email. That's uh, audiomorphsca- audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Um, and this is from Kendall, who writes... Hi, Daniel. I found your podcast on Spotify only a couple months ago, and I just finished book 21. I work the graveyard shift, and I love listening to your podcast on my 1.5-hour commute to work. It helps keep me awake while driving. I prefer the individual episodes over the supercuts. I've enjoyed your bit of commentary after each episode. Working at night, it can be a little isolating, so it's nice hearing you chat a bit. But I have to admit, it's strange hearing you talk about the beginning of the pandemic. It feels like a strange time capsule in a way. Anyways, keep on doing what you do. Appreciatively, Kendall. Thank you so much for writing in, Kendall. Sorry that you're already on book 21. You're going to be caught up to me in not that long, especially with a 1.5-hour commute. I know most of these books are about three hours, so you're knocking out um, a book a a day at least, right? Because it's 1.5 there, 1.5 back, which also I'm so sorry your commute's so long. Oof. I hate commuting. Um, Plus, whatever you're listening to on your shift. Man, um... But I appreciate it. I'm just sorry that uh, you'll have to be waiting for these little 20-minute episodes now. But I'm moving as fast as I, I can. Truly, I promise. Um, and yeah, it, can, it is... I also have listened to um, podcasts that, you know, not recent episodes of podcasts. And sometimes there are weird time capsules like that. Um, the pandemic. I'm currently listening to a... Uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars rewatch podcast. And uh, it is solidly... Sorry, not that one. Oh, I got it confused with the other thing I was doing. <laughs> I was watching a XCOM 2 playthrough. Excuse me. Totally different vibe. <laughs> but uh, solidly filmed during um, the Trump administration. And you can surely tell by the feelings and attitudes of the two people playing. Um, sometimes that's just what how, how media and content uh, and art is. It, uh, it reflects the time. Uh, it was recorded in, even if it's not actually related. But thank you so much for running in, Kendall. Um, ho- hope your commute, you'll find something else to listen to once you catch up. Um, because, obviously, I can't keep you company for the whole hour and a half. 
Again, so sorry about that. Oof. Long, long commute. And last, but certainly not least, I have a whole mess of uh, messages on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com from uh, Edney, who has written in before. Um, this is a bit of a episode-per-episode episode, um, write-in-slash-recap. Um, starting somewhere, I, I just looked this up, but starting on episode 283, which is, I think, midway through the uh, Howler book. The attack is that one what that one was called, uh, but that's where we're starting. And Edney writes in, uh, just finished episode two eighty three. I loved it, awesome, love that. Uh, then hey, on episode two eighty four, and I'm thinking my battle morph would be a mountain lion or a black bear. Excellent choices. Uh, the black bear I know is uh quite speedy, isn't it? Can it reach up to like thirty five miles per hour running? Um, pretty impressive bear. It's it's not as big as a brown bear, but solid bear all around. And of course, a mountain lion. Who doesn't love a cougar? Uh, then on episode 285, and I cannot believe this. Why would Applegate write this? Why would the Elemist make them do that? This is so wild. Uh, I'm not sure what 285 is. Actually, let me look that up real quick. What uh, what episode was 285? Oops, that is all the podcasts. Hang on. Sorry. We're doing this live, folks. There's my uh, 285. I mean, we're still in the Howlers. What happened here? Um... Oh, oh, we're learning. Uh, this, I, I believe this is a chapter where we learn the Iscord backstory. And, um, hmm, actually, did the Elemist make them do that? That's a great question. Because I was going to say, actually, they uh, just evolved that way naturally. And, like, the Yurks are kind of the Kryak version. But, uh, actually, I don't know that. You know, the Elemist probably did call out this section of Yurks and isolate them. And then maybe messed with their evolution a bit to get this result. Uh, we can we can never tell what the Elemist. Um, and the Elemist did that because the Elemist is um, a space wizard. Then, uh, hi, I'm on 285 still. They're symbiotic. I'm shaking and crying. So true, bestie. Um, and then the Howlers are kids? <laughs> right? Uh, thank you, Catherine Applegate. Um, and then episode 290, absolutely loved it, thanks. Thank you. Then, at the end of episode 290, I don't think that Applegate so far has ever written, to, uh, written it to glorify anything or, quote, hero time. Uh, that was um, my thoughts on an email that uh, Lucas of the Ballad of the Seven Dice wrote, uh, wrote in, I think, um, about why he thought that the combat was written the way it was uh, within this book. And I felt it was um, a little less detailed or less um, visceral than than many of the other fight scenes we, we've had in previous books. And so um, I agree. I don't think Applegate has ever written to do um, to, to make violence feel heroic. But I also feel like in this case, just the violence was not really um, the focus of the scene, which I felt made it weird uh when Jake felt so like distraught about it it, it felt like that you she or maybe the ghostwriter I don't remember which ones are ghostwritten sorry um, but it felt like whoever wrote it uh was asking me the reader to do the work of characterizing uh Jake's emotions instead of writing them in a way that tracks not to revisit this whole topic again um and then finally, on episode 291, and it was more scary than I thought it'd be. Um, I think that would be a great tagline for Animorphs in general. <laughs> more scary than I thought it would be. 
Thank you so much for writing in any all those messages. Uh, appreciate it. And that is finally at last all I have. So thank you everyone who wrote in. If you'd like to be like any of them and write in, I think I listed actually every way you can do that. You can also reach me on Twitter. That's at Audiomorphs. I think I mentioned that at the start too. Um, probably won't read those on the show. Probably will just reply. But, you know, you can come say hi. I'll say hi back. Uh, I don't bite. And um, also, if you would like to leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which I forgot to check before I started recording this. So let me just check that real quick. There's probably not a new one, but, you know, maybe. Um... No, no new, no new ones. Um, if you'd like to be a new one, you could, you could do that. And I'd see that and be like, oh, wow, new review. Cool. Um, but thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being patient with me. And I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel. And I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.